0: We present The Disposal Man by T.D. Webster. Now
1: it can be told, told in all its glory. Now that we have met, the world may know the sentimental story. The greatest romance they ever knew. Is waiting to Now it can be told Well?
2: Any more coffee? Hmm. When did you say it? Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday? Yes. League Cup. Somebody's getting me
3: a ticket. I've put off Mike and Alison four times since August. I owe them. Mike's been very
2: useful. Yes, we'll ask them here.
3: They want us there. I want to go there. Why? I want to see their pool. They've just had it enclosed. The roof opens electronically. Does it? Mm. Their gardens are similar size to ours. Ah. At least we can get some idea. Do we need a pool? I think we do. There's a public bar
2: that's just down the road. Oh, talk sense.
3: I don't mean just for swimming. We could have chairs
2: and tables out there. Mm. Social gatherings, you mean. Poolside. Or will you come along afterwards? I, I don't know. Well, if I can. I, it could be late. Oh, there, there could well be extra time.
3: They wouldn't mind. After all, you have your reputation of predictable unpredictability to keep up. <sighs> i better be going. I should be home about seven. Oh I may be bringing Celia. Will you be in?
2: Yes, yes. James is looking in with Bill Rayner.
3: I didn't know Bill was in London. Why is he coming?
2: Well, James says he's keen to see the house. Heard so much about it. And he wants to have a chat about old times. You're honoured. I thought Bill was now so exalted, people came to see him. (laughs) Well, I have known him a long time. Although I dare say James has something up his sleeve. Perhaps he's tired of getting 10% of nothing. Yes, possibly. And what time are they coming? I don't know. Well,
3: I'd better be going. Remember (laughs) me to Bill, if I'm not back.
2: Yes, right.
1: (gasps) The sweetest thing What else on earth Could ever bring Such happiness To everything As love's old story Love is The strangest thing No song of birds Upon the wing Shall in our hearts More sweetly sing Than love's old story
2: and this is my study. So, this is where it all happens. Uh, yes, occasionally. The <laughs> most important fact about this room, Bill, is that it's where I keep the good booze. <laughs> <laughs> well, with ice? Oh, please. And just a, a drop of water. James?
4: Ah, uh, sherry, please. Dry. Yes, I see what you mean
2: about the view. Uh, which bridge is that, Max? Chelsea? Oh, no, no, no. That's the Albert. Ah. Uh, You can just see the Chelsea Bridge further downstream. There.
1: Ah, yes. Yes.
2: Impressive. Uh,
4: Why do you call the house the Reach? Uh, This part of the river is known as Chelsea Reach, J.W.
2: Of course. It's far more subtle than that, James. Mm? Ah, but a man's reach should exceed his grasp. Or what's heaven for? (laughs) Still the quote, say, Max. Tennyson? Browning? Thank you. Shall we sit down? I'm sure Elaine said it was after Chelsea Reach.
4: Perhaps for her it is. I uh, see Elaine is making a name for herself. I caught her column in the Post this morning. Nice, lively style. Mm. And she's branching out of here.
2: it's yes, only a matter of time before she moves into television. She's already well established on radio. Mm. Upstage, eh, Max? She's prettier than I am. You could be on the box whenever you want, Max. The omnibus people rang me only last week. Writers should be read and not seen. Oh, what are you on at present, Max? I'm putting something together for a life of C.S. Calverly. Calverley, should I know him? He was a poet, Victorian, light, and rather minor. You've been on that for at least five years. It is fermenting, James, fermenting. I can remember you, Max, when you were a 5,000 words a day man, rain or shine. Drunk or sober, <laughs> home or away. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was what they call strongly motivated, Bill. My typewriter tinkled away like a cash register, and with about as much talent. Oh, come off it. But, Max, if you don't write, what do you do? Well, this house is a gem, fine.
4: The whole neighbourhood is soaked in atmosphere. Thomas Carlyle lived round the corner, Lee Hunt down the road. Rossetti, Whistler, Swinburne. It was marvellous. But what
2: do you do? Soak up the atmosphere and good malt whiskey? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a little of that, I suppose. What do I do... Well, I don't know, I seem to keep quite busy. Most mornings I work on Calvary. I usually go for a stroll in the afternoon, the Tate or the National, generally. Sometimes the science museums. Occasional forays to add to my Alboly collection. What is that? I collect Alboly 78s. Huh? The records. Ah, he yes. was a dance band singer in the 30s, killed in the Blitz. I have various dealers scouting around for them got a new batch yesterday. The records are barely playable and they've all been put on LPs anyway. That is not the point, James. Bill here collects brax, I collect alboros. (laughs) It's
4: hardly the same. So, that is how you spend your days, is it, Max?
2: More or less. Oh, and I often go down the road to watch Fulham, or across to the Oval in summer. It is a very, very full life, Bill. It sounds a very nice life, Max.
4: If you were 70 years of age and living in semi-retirement. Quite. It suits me.
2: I can't believe you're written out. No, I don't think I am. It's just that I'm more discriminating. Even taking to scribbling verse from time to oh, time. Oh, God. <laughs> After the blue plaque, are we, Max? Well, it would suit the house, don't you think? Max, there is no one, repeat, no one, to touch you at the cloak and dagger stuff. Uh, think of the past, Bill. I regard those as nothing more than insurance policies for my old age. Which seems to have arrived rather early. Now, now, now. Uh, have you read this, Max? The best in this kind. Oh, good title, Midsummer Night's Dream. Hmm. It's good. Now, I'd like you to script it. I've got the backing. A huge budget. People queuing up to play it. Now, all it needs is your touch. Doesn't it need uh, Jason Long's touch? Apparently he wrote it. <laughs> He's tried. A complete disaster. Look, read it, Max. That's all I ask. It's right up your street, Max. And we're talking about big money. Oh, I don't know, Bill. Max! Ah. What about another drink?
3: Max, I've brought... A... Oh, sorry. Hello, James.
2: Hello. I don't know whether you met J.W. when Max was working on Last and Later, Day.
3: Yes, we met several times. Ah, Hello a long time bill
4: too long Mm. (laughs) good to see you again elaine untouched by the years
3: well thank you max i've brought alan and celia back for a drink i'm sure they'd be delighted to meet bill
2: perhaps we could book a table at mario's for later oh we'd like to love the truth is we're talking business that's why bill is here we were about to adjourn to james's club for a working dinner oh i see I don't think Alan and Celia would enjoy hearing us discuss the salvation of the film industry.
3: I think they would.
4: Well, <laughs> some other time, perhaps, Elaine.
3: Yes, of course.
4: We could stay for a brief drink, couldn't we, Max? We have time for that, surely? All work and no play? Yeah, well, <laughs> as long as we
2: aren't too long. We do have a lot to get through.
4: The Savoy and then St. John's Wood Terrace, please. Cigar? Uh, oh no, no, thank you. Well, I think Max has been improved by success, which can't be said for many in our business. <laughs> oh, that's true. A very pleasant evening.
1: Yes. Yeah, but, uh,
4: I think it's no dice, isn't it, James? Oh, I wouldn't say that. No. The old Max would have said yes over the phone. <laughs> the old Max would have been round at the Savoy before I put the phone down. <laughs> I must say, I prefer
2: this version. Hmm. Max started off as a bastard and became nice. Elaine started off a nice little mouse and became a bitch. Oh? Mm. oh she puts up a very good show. Mm, I thought
4: I detected a little bit of edge. Mm. Perhaps Max doesn't like the competition now she's becoming a name. Oh, no, that doesn't bother him.
2: Success has changed Elaine considerably. Max has not enjoyed seeing her wheel and deal her way to the top using his name when it suited her. Mm. Uh, Max, at his worst, was never as pushy or as abrasive as she was. Is. (laughs) When Max was a bastard, he was a bastard to everybody, high or low. Elaine is sweetness and light to those who matter, and to hell with the rest. Max has reacted by opting out of the sort of life they used to lead, which, of course, infuriates her.
4: She thinks it's her turn for the limelight.
2: Yes. And, of course, many people still see her as Max's wife, rather than Elaine Bright. That really gets up. So why,
4: how do they stay together? If they parted, there'd be a hell of a row over who got custody. I didn't know they had children.
2: No, no, no. Custody of the house. Oh. (laughs) The only thing they've got in common. They both fell in love with the
4: Reach at first sight. They don't give a damn for each other now. But they still care for the house. Enough to keep them together? Yes. Good Lord, Yes.
2: Their marriage was more or less on the rocks when they found it. It seemed to bring them back together. Elaine took up her career again, and Max slipped gratefully into the background. Mm. She pay the bills? No, no. Max still pays his way. He was on a percentage for his last two films. They're still doing very good business. And whenever he needs ready cash, he turns out a television play or a short story for the American market. He's still in great demand, you know. Scarcity value. The house may have improved Max as a person, but it's done nothing at all for him as a writer.
1: I
4: had house trouble with my second wife. Mm -hmm. We had a beautiful place just outside Santa Monica. I loved that house. But Marie got it in the end. She's still there. And the house boys get younger and younger.
2: (laughs) What are you doing? Looking for something to put in a toasted sandwich. Are these bits of chicken for anything special? I don't know. Well, I'll just take a few pieces and hope Mrs Armitage doesn't notice. Shall I do one for you?
3: I've eaten. I thought you had. Well, that was
2: hours ago. Celia came back specially to talk to you about her book. What the hell do I know about children's books? You've written three. All of which serve to show how little I do know.
3: Hmm. (sighs) What did J.W. want? (laughs)
2: J.W. Everybody calls him that. Well? Uh, He wants me to script something called the best in this kind.
3: Oh, a definite offer?
2: Yes. What did you say? A definite maybe. Oh, it can't miss Max. So I understand. I don't think I'll bother. Why not? I don't fancy it. Besides, he wants me over there. The States? California, yes. Three, four months. That would be marvellous. Could you bear to lose me for so long? I'd come. Stephen's been talking about doing something on the States. I could do a weekly
3: piece from there. We'd be out there in the sun while everybody here is battling through winter. I like winter here. Oh, for God's sake, Max. I love this house too, but they'll be here when we get back. Oh, it's a marvellous opportunity. Half our friends are over there. We'd have a wonderful time.
2: Well, I wouldn't. I've given up writing garbage.
3: You've given up everything, period. Did J.W. say how much?
2: Well, James was after a percentage.
3: You'd never need to write another word. You'd be able to potter around the rest of your life.
2: Yes, well, I can do that. Now...
3: Would you do it if they let you write it here?
2: Well, not unless uh, Jason Long turns out to be another Graham Greene.
3: You're unbelievable. Three months in California and that kind of money. What will you do instead? Nothing.
2: Mm, Well, sorry. Vanishing off the scene wouldn't do your career any good. They would not miss you on woman's hour. Oh,
3: sod woman's hour. I need the States, Max. I've always wanted to work there. I'd get plenty of freelance stuff, chat shows on television. I might even get a book out of it.
2: Mm, your long-awaited novel? You are a
3: selfish bastard.
1: Can't <laughs> we talk it over? Let's talk it over before you tell me you're through. Can't we sit together and figure whether this is the right thing to do? I hate the thought of spending nights all alone, missing the thrill of nights that we've known. Can't we talk it over before it's over, before you whisper goodbye forever? Let's talk it over, dear.
3: I look forward to it. Fine. Until Wednesday. Wednesday. Goodbye. And thank you. Liz? Yes? I shall want you to find out all you can on comprehensive schools by Wednesday week. Right. Especially exam facts and figures. I'm on the right to know. Mm. It would be bloody education. Doesn't your brother teach in a comp? Yes. Well, try and get some lurid tales from him, will you? It's all right, I won't name names. I'll be seeing him this weekend. Good. Have we got the rundown on Kirsty Scott? I haven't finished it yet. I'm seeing her this afternoon. Why? Well, thought it was Friday. It was changed yesterday. Her agent rang. I didn't know. It's still down in the diary for Friday. How far have you got? Well,
5: it's almost ready. I'll finish it this morning. Good. Did you manage to get through to Miles? Not yet. It's 4 o'clock in the morning in New York, Elaine. Wake him, love. Wake him. Anything from Clive? Oh, yes. He rang when you were in with Stephen. Why the hell didn't you say? I didn't take it. Annette only told me a couple of minutes ago. You were still on the phone. Try and
3: get Clyde for me, will you? Oh, when you've done that, go down to the Reach. I've forgotten my red notebook. I think it's by my bed. Max or Mrs Armitage will be in.
5: Right.
2: Elaine seems to be getting rather forgetful. She's always having to send you back here for things she's forgotten.
5: I do seem to be coming here rather a lot.
2: Mm. You ever thought why?
5: Because Elaine sends me.
2: No, I mean... Why Elaine sends you here when it isn't necessary?
5: I didn't know it wasn't necessary.
2: It isn't. And wasn't. No? No. Elaine is hoping that if she sends you here often enough, sooner or later I will lure you into bed.
5: (laughs) Max, you're sending me up. Oh, no,
2: no, no, I'm not. No, I've, I've given it considerable thought, and I'm sure that that is her intent. Of course, on the other hand, it could be the old double bluff on my part, couldn't it? I could be floating the idea just to bring the subject up. But by putting the onus onto Elaine, I give myself a face-saving escape route.
5: (laughs) I can see how you come to write such complicated plots.
2: My deviousness is legend.
5: And is it double bluff?
2: No. Elaine wants to drive us into each other's arms.
5: But what would she get out of it?
2: She might get me out of this house.
5: But why would she want to do that? Well, this is something you do share. You go together. You and Elaine and the Reach.
2: Mm. Yes, that was true once upon a time. But not now.
5: (laughs) We hadn't two pennies to rub together, but they were good days. We were poor, but happy then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) on the contrary, we were loaded. Chiefly because we'd spent years doing the wandering tax exile bit. France, Spain, Switzerland, Ireland. Oh, we... we had enough. And then we saw this place. Well, how did you find it? Well, we came to a party here. It belonged to an electronics tycoon who was going bust. Mind you, I mean, nobody knew that at the time. And we made an offer, paid him in cash. He promptly disappeared, owing something like the national debt. The tax people weren't very happy, but fortunately it was all legal. Well, there was a hell of a row. Well, you probably remember.
5: As I was still at school.
2: Yeah, ah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Now, that's another thing. You see, Elaine's ploy is rather insulting to you. I mean, I'm old enough to be your father. Only just. <laughs> Elaine's ploy. I still think you're
5: sending me up. Yes,
2: yes. Of course I am.
5: I ought to be going
2: now. Mm. Uh, look, when you're sent here on your next little errand, I'm, I'm quite sure you will be. Make sure you've got some time free afterwards. Oh? Well, we'll go for a walk, perhaps. Maybe call into the Tate.
5: What about the V&A?
2: I love the V&A. The V&A, then?
5: Oh, what excitements. I look forward to it. If I'm sent again. <laughs> thanks for the coffee. Bye.
2: Uh, don't forget the notebook. Oh, thanks. Bye. Liz, do you like Al Bowley? Who? Uh, well, never mind. Cheerio. See you soon.
1: Love is the strangest thing No song of birds upon the wing Shall in our hearts more sweetly sing Than love's old story Whatever
3: Does this place ever get cleaned?
6: old mary comes in on wednesdays she's off sick this week these sheets need changing yes madam sorry madam laundry on the corner if you want to nip over there i've got one or two bits and pieces while you're at it
3: eddie hey, there are times when you get rather wearing okay
6: okay it'll be spotless next week i know my place do you i do i'm in it aren't i want a fag Hmm.
3: i'm lunching with clive tomorrow.
6: Nice. Who's
3: he? A very up and coming television producer. You must have heard of him.
6: No, no, I never watched the telly. Only the racing and when I'm on, of course.
3: Oh, it's hardly worth having a set, is it? Clive produces words, words, words.
6: Oh, Hamlet, right. What's the other one? Leah. Never, 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 never. The old five nevers. The depth of your learning amazes me. I'm very good on the bard. Read the lot while I was in Parkhurst. Beginning to end.
3: Yes, I know. Everybody knows.
6: Did you know old Willie's got 50 pages to himself in the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations? <laughs> old Willie. <laughs> How's Max on quotes these days? Still dropping them out, is he?
3: Even the slightest encouragement, yes.
6: We spent hours swapping them when we were on a far cry together.
3: When we were on a far cry together, we, you had the bitterest of bit parts. Max was writing the bloody thing.
6: We got on very well together.
3: You mean you buttered him up?
6: I liked him. I always have. Good. What does this producer want?
3: He's hoping to launch a new show, sort of upmarket panel game, with Robert Kingsley as chairman.
6: him, I've heard of.
3: Oh, good. Robert put my name forward. I've worked quite a lot with him on radio.
6: I've got to see somebody next week. Oh. Yeah, there's a chance of a part in the Lawbreaker. How big? Just one episode, a couple of scenes, bit of dialogue. Keep my face in front of the cameras.
3: It was the back of your head last night.
6: Yeah, and well, that so-called director cut my best scenes. Oh, well, never mind, darling.
3: As long as they want razor-sharp, quick-witted, east-end villains, you'll get the part.
6: Now, what I mean... I've had some nice cameos. My face brings in the customers downstairs. It's well-known enough for that. No,
3: Eddie, I bring the customers in. Never forget that. You just have to stand behind the bar trying to be polite. It's the best performance you do. Ex-villain, ex-con. Fascinating, they say. And they bring their friends in. If you're a good boy, I'll bring Robert Kingsley in one day.
6: Okay, okay, point taken. A
3: reciprocal arrangement. Oh, yeah. Give and take. You reckon? Yes, I reckon. My,
5: aren't we getting social?
2: Did you know about this? Yes.
5: Elaine planned it as soon as she knew about the parlour. You might have warned me, Liz. More than my job's worth. Besides, I've been looking forward to it. Elaine told everybody that you were dying to meet them. They couldn't resist that.
2: I was just settling down with a large Scotch and Casablanca. Ah. Liz, do me a favour, will you? If I can. Nip out to the phone box on the corner and ring here. I'll be waiting to answer. And ring off and come back. But why? Now, please. Ah, Robert. Uh, can I get you a drink? Not just now, thank you, Max. Elaine's just been showing me around the house.
1: <laughs> I
2: must say, I envy you. Not only the house, the peace and quiet. I bought a place in the country thinking it would be congenial to writing. <laughs> it isn't, of course. <laughs> Distractions all the time. Oh, yes, yes, we found that. Must be exciting seeing Elaine move off in a new direction. Yes, right? it is. I'm astonished she hasn't been on the box before. Oh, it's quite clearly a natural... God knows we need new faces. <laughs> <laughs> Our kind of programme can become so... So inbraid. Uh, Say Bolox bridge dons backing modestly into the limelight. Yes.
4: <laughs> I really do think Calvary is the most inspired choice. Those minor Victorian poets are so
2: neglected. Strangely enough, a quote from Calvary came up in the programme during the last series. So what was it, now? I... Oh, excuse me, mm? will you, Robert? I think that's the call I'm expecting from New York. Bang on time. Ah, oh, sir. Max,
3: Max, I'd like you to meet... This... Sorry,
2: sorry, phone. Um, not me long. <laughs> New York on the line, I understand.
3: Oh, I see. Oh,
1: thanks for all the lovely delight I've found in your embrace I'm thankful, though I know we're tending all too soon and thanks for unforgettable nights I never can replace And memories that linger like a haunting tune. And he just disappeared.
3: Muttered something about a phone call from New York and went. And he stayed in his study until they'd all gone and wouldn't come out. And did I tell you about yesterday? No. Someone I met at the Beeb is going to put out a programme called Home and Beauty or something like that. A sort of Homes of the Famous. Nothing particularly grand.
6: Just simple little pads like yours.
3: I mean, not the usual stately homes. Well, he asked if he could have a look round at the Reach with a view to using it. So I arranged for him to call and I was just a few minutes late getting home. Max had cleared him off. Told him there was no question of the house being used.
6: Max hardly needs the publicity, does he? What about me? Whose name was the house in? His... There's nothing you can do, then. He is becoming utterly impossible. So you push off and find a place of your own. I'm not going.
3: The Reach is my creation. I made it. Everything about it. The decor, the furnishings, everything.
6: I thought some bloke off the Brompton Road did all that.
3: Under my supervision. That house stands for everything I've ever wanted. I thought when we bought it, Max would only stay for a couple of years at the most, then he'd go. He was like that, then. But he's changed. The house has had a calming effect.
6: Look, if Max has changed as much as all that, then he'd see you nicely looked after if you got a divorce.
3: A divorce would develop into a very nasty hassle over who got the reach. I don't need that.
6: Well, you never get it anyway. Exactly. So you're stuck, aren't you?
3: Oh, you are a
6: great source of comfort and help. Do you know that? Well, what do you expect me to do? I mean, if it was some geezer in a rented flat in Notting Hill you wanted out, all right. touch of the Rackmans from one or two of the boys. But Max is somebody... He knows people. I'm not in that league, darling. What league? The league that can get people vanished. Vanished? Disposed of. Wasted. Don't you ever read your own paper? What do you mean? Harry Grant. Big man, right? What's happened to him? He's vanished. It's all over your front page the other day. So? So? He's not done a runner, or gone into hiding, or cleared off with a bird, or any of the things they say. He's been got rid of. It's common knowledge.
3: Common knowledge where?
6: Amongst people I know. There's a firm that specialises in disposals. Firm?
3: Firm? Oh, come on. Eddie, you've played so many bit parts in The Sweeney, you're beginning to believe the mythology they've created.
6: Firm. Scriptwriters didn't invent the bloody word. It's always been used. Look, I'm telling you, there's a firm that specialises in disposals. No bodies, no mess, nothing.
3: The sort of Murder Incorporated,
6: you mean? Call it what you like. It's hardly feasible, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's what they said about the train robbers, didn't they? Look, police records are full of people who've vanished. Not just drifters, important people. It's headlines for a few days, then it's forgotten. Look, if you've got money, you can get anything done. Anything.
3: Including murder?
6: Anything. Except you don't call it murder. They just disappear, and they don't come back ever.
3: And that's what happened to Harry Grant.
6: Right, he upset somebody. And they got rid of him? No, they paid somebody to get rid of him. This firm? Right. What's your interest, anyway? Not even read the story in your own paper. Now, look, Elaine, I don't know what you're thinking. I'm
3: thinking it's a very good story.
6: Since when were you on crime? It's not exactly woman's page, is it?
3: And I'm not woman's bloody page, either. I can turn in a piece on anything I like. I like the sound of this. Unless, of course, this firm only exists in your imagination.
6: It exists, all right.
3: Do you know anybody connected with it? What? Somebody I could talk to. You've got to be joking. Someone who could give me the bones of a story. It needn't be much. Anything. Who else has been disposed of? Anything. I wouldn't name sources. There could be money in it.
6: Look, nobody would tell you anything. It
3: needn't be much. If the firm's existence is common knowledge, then somebody must know something.
6: And all you get will be some old grass giving you a pack of lies. Well, I'm
3: very good at sifting through lies. We could talk over the phone. Surely you can find somebody. Unless it's all talk, as usual. I'm not one of the punters in the bar, Eddie.
6: It's true. Uh, I suppose I could ask around. The sooner the better. It'll take time. I'm not going to walk down the Milan Road with an effing sandwich board, am I? Heartaches,
1: heartaches My loving you meant only heartaches Your kiss was such a sacred thing to me I can't believe it's just a burning memory Heartaches
5: It's years since I was here. I must have been their age. It baffled me how they got it in here. The dinosaurs were easy to understand. I mean, they brought them in in bits, then put them together. But you can't do that with a whale, can you?
2: I don't know. Obviously not blubber, is it? (laughs) Look at that little girl's face.
5: Please, Miss. What's it stuffed with, please, Miss? Is it real, (laughs) Miss? Well, that's what we said.
2: (laughs) One of them always paces out how long it is. There, you see?
5: (gasps) Do you ever wish you'd had children?
2: Yes. I do now. But we watched all our friends plunge disastrously into parenthood and said, no, thank you. Anyway, I'm sure it would have been disaster for us too. Elaine and I are both selfish bastards. Not now. All the time.
5: I ought to be getting back. Elaine really does want these notes. Oh, there's no need to come. Stay no. with your whales.
2: No, no, no. Duty calls. Duty? Work.
5: Writing, you mean?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I, I do think that counts as work. Oh, I'm
5: sorry. What are you writing?
2: I've started a novel.
5: Cloak and Dagger?
2: No, no comic, I hope. There's an old chapter set in here.
5: About a man who likes the whale room?
2: No. About a woman who doesn't.
6: Eddie Jackson, yeah? I've been
3: waiting for a call from you. Have you come up with anything? No. It's almost a week. The story's going to go cold.
6: Well, I can't rush it. Look, I've got to be careful. Just have
3: something when I come on Thursday.
6: I always have something for you, darling. You're not finished yet.
2: Almost. Another drink? No, no, thank you. A very thorough reading. I read it very carefully. Twice. Well. Oh, what do you think? It's the best thing you've done for years. Or rather it promises to be, if the rest turns out as well as this. But there'd have to be changes, Max. Oh? Could never be published as it stands. Oh, why not? What the hell are you up to? A comic novel with social overturns. Jan is based on it. No. She is Elaine. Warts and all. No. Just warts. Even the dimmest reviewer or reader, for that matter, will spot that. James, you always read in more than I write. Always. It's pointless carrying on writing this. Unless you're going to get Elaine's approval. She hasn't seen it, has she? No, she never reads anything I write before or after publication. Half London will be advising her to read this, Max. If you do let her see it, please do it while I'm not around.
3: Anything else, sir? Helene? No, thank you. That was
2: delicious.
4: Mm. You can appreciate why I tend to keep this place to myself. Pass on the good word to Etienne, will you, please? Of course.
3: Do you mind if I smoke?
4: Oh, I'll, I'll join you i try one of these.
3: Thank you. Oh, Francophile, even down to the cigarettes.
4: Yes, I have them sent over. This is one of the very few places left in town where one can get genuine Provençal cooking. Mm.
3: It was a marvellous little restaurant in the village where we lived. Mm-hmm. We used to eat there nearly every day. Of course. You've lived in France? For just over a year. We had a small house in Provence, and then we moved to Cannes. Glamorous, but not the real France. Exactly. I wanted to try further north, but Max wouldn't hear of it. He doesn't like the French. All of them. <laughs> Only the ones he knows.
4: <laughs> I hope eventually
2: to get myself a little place in the Loire or Paris.
3: Oh, I envy you.
2: Luckily, I do spend quite a bit of time over there. Oh. Mm-hmm. They often ask me over
4: to take part in a sort of monitor thing.
3: Your French must be very good.
4: <laughs> Possible. I think they find my accent amusing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm due to go over there next month. Looking forward to it. October is the best time to be in Paris, I always think. Yes.
3: I spend a great deal of time and energy trying to persuade Stephen, my boss, that I desperately need to do a piece on Paris in the autumn.
2: Are you likely to succeed?
3: I think he's weakening.
0: Uh, I could introduce you to quite a few interesting and prominent people over there.
3: Can you give me a few names to drop? Well,
0: not Sagan
2: or Bardot, but plenty of others you might know. Let me see.
1: No, oh, it isn't a dream, it's to it Max? The dream that seems the dream that
2: dream. Max! Oh, sorry, didn't hear you. I've read it. And?
3: It's a hatchet job. Yes? I mean, it's a hatchet job on
2: me. No, 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 it has a go at everything in sight, that's the general premise. You know bloody well that Jan is me. Jan is every media woman. Every woman. Every woman I've ever known. You could just as easily say that I'm Matthew. In fact, I am Matthew. I don't
3: give a damn about you. The fact that you're an idle, selfish and sardonic bastard is hardly news. Whereas you
2: have the reputation of being a very nice woman with talent and flair, so how will people identify you with Jan? Why? Why?
3: Yes, why? That's what puzzled me. I thought, what the hell is he up to? And then it dawned. Did he? You thought... But this would infuriate me so much that I'd walk out and leave you. No, Max, I'm not going. You can pull strokes like this, humiliate me in front of well, my friends. When did
2: I humiliate you?
3: At the party, when Robert and the others were here.
2: Well, I, I thought I was charming. You disappeared. I stuck it as long as I could. I don't like being suddenly surrounded by bird-brained strangers.
3: They are all intelligent, talented people. You used to love having people
2: like that. I am around. not a prize exhibit. I do not want a constant stream of strangers here. Now, if you do, fair enough. But give me fair warning so that I am not around.
3: I heard a nice story the other day. That's Max Quicksall. Max who? Max Quicksall. He's married to Elaine Bright. That's what rankles, isn't it,
2: Max? No, no, what rankles me is to hear you perpetuate the myth of our ideal marriage, our perfect home. Well, I'm sorry, I just won't play. I
3: damn well played when you were making your career. I made
2: my career by what I wrote, not by what I was. The rest was all ornamentation. And you enjoyed that as much as I did. Oh, look, Elaine, wouldn't it be easier if we just called it a day? A divorce? Yes.
3: Who gets the house?
2: I do. Uh, you you can have anything else. I'll do JW's film script. You can have every penny. Better still, let me get on with this, and you can you can have soul rights. It'll make a fortune.
1: Go to hell. I'm through with love. I'll never fall again. I said that to do love. Don't ever call again. For I must have you or no one. And so I'm through with love. I've locked my heart, I'll keep my feelings there I have stopped my heart with an icy frigid air And I mean to care for no one Because I'm through
6: with love Whose number? I don't know, do I? You ask for a name or number, I got you a number. I don't know where and I don't know who.
3: But it is somebody who can tell me something. Yeah. From the inside or the outside?
6: You'll have to find that out for yourself.
3: Good. Let's have
6: it. Uh, there's just one thing I want to get straight first. Yes? Once I give you this number, that's it. You're on your own. I don't want to know after that.
3: What the hell are you on about?
6: I don't want to be involved. You don't say anything about me, all right?
3: All right. Can I have it now? Thank you. Oh, can I ring it from here?
6: If I do decide to follow it up, that is. Oh, I suppose so.
3: I may look in tomorrow.
6: Aren't you staying now?
3: No. I'm meeting somebody.
6: No time for a quickie?
3: I don't like quickies you ought to know that? Yes? Is that 3592901? Yes. I understand you may be able to help me. In what way? I'm looking for some information.
0: We're not in the information business.
3: What business are you in, Mr... If
0: you've got our number, you must have a good idea what our business is.
3: Disposals?
0: What do you want?
3: Well, I'd like to know to whom I'm speaking first. So would I. My name is Jane Smithson. Mrs? Yes.
0: Vincent Brownlow?
3: Well, Mr Brownlow, I'd like to know something about the disposal business.
0: Ring Pickfords?
3: Just in general terms.
0: We don't discuss our business in general terms, Mrs. Smithson.
3: Under what terms do you discuss it?
0: Business terms. Specific business. If you want to use our service, we can talk. If not, please don't waste my time.
3: What service do you offer, Mr. Brownlow?
0: You've already said it. Disposals.
3: So? May I ring you back?
0: No. I'll ring you.
3: Oh, I'm not sure.
0: I'll ring you this time tomorrow. What's your number? 439-0161.
3: 439 0161
0: If you don't want to know don't answer. I'll let it ring 4 times.
3: Eddie. Eddie. What? Will you be in tomorrow at this time?
6: No, no, I'm going now.
3: Do you have a spare key?
6: Somewhere? Do you want now?
3: No, no, not now. Before I go.
2: No sandwiches, I'm afraid. Got to some crisps.
5: Oh, thanks. I never knew this place existed. Does anybody know this place
2: exists? No, oh, this is my local. Honestly? I'm occasionally picked for the darts team. <laughs> Why did the barmaid call you George? Ah. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's nothing like that. No, everybody here calls me George. Why? Well, it's more in keeping with the surroundings, don't you think? And strictly speaking, it is my name. Or it was... Max Quixall is a pen name.
5: Mm. It doesn't say anything in the artists and writers, or anywhere else, as far as I know.
2: Oh, I changed it by deed poll. Must be 25 years ago, no? Just after I got a job with a chronicle. I spent ages choosing. Max Quixall had intimations of the sort of life I wanted, whereas George Street didn't hold a lot of promise. <laughs>
5: George
3: Street?
2: Yes, 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 yes. It must be wonderful having so many roads named after me. You have met my sister, Charlotte Street. I know. I know them all, Liz. George
5: Street.
2: (gasps) Elaine Street. (laughs) Elaine was never Elaine Street. Mind you, she would have settled for that when I first met her. She was Brenda Gilthwaite then.
1: No.
2: (laughs) For God's sake, not a word. Of course not. The odd thing is that as the years go by, I feel I'm reverting more and more to George Street and Max is retreating. Elaine thinks I'm going quietly off my rocker. She obliterated Brenda Gilthwaite years ago and she can't understand old George Street coming back. It leaves her to bear the full burden of family glamour and sophistication. Which, I must say, she, uh, she seems to do, happily enough. But underneath, oh, oh, underneath.
5: Yes, I know i don't mean she said anything on the contrary it's just that well she's less on her guard with me i sometimes think she hates you max yes why
2: i'm in the way and i'm in the reach would you like to learn how to play darts
1: See our meeting for just one fond greeting When days are so fleeting and few Paradise seeming with no thought of scheming A dream was a dreaming come true
0: I always think Kew Gardens is at its best this time of year. It is Mrs. Smithson, isn't it?
3: You said 11 o'clock.
0: No, I said you come and sit here at 11. Nothing about me.
3: I've come alone.
0: Yes, I know. Now look in your handbag.
3: Thank you. What are you looking for? What do you think? A tape recorder and mic, presumably.
0: Thank you. Will you open your coat, please? Thank you. Pockets. Thank you.
3: Anything else? No, thank you. Well?
0: 10,000 pounds minimum.
3: That's a very abrupt way to begin a discussion.
0: If you don't have that kind of money, there won't be a discussion, Mrs. Smithson. We needn't go any further.
3: Yes, I do have that kind of money. What does it buy?
0: The disposal of one named person. To disappear at a time suitable to you. To disappear without trace for good. That's what you buy, Mrs. Smithson. No comeback. Nothing to connect you in any way. Nothing to connect anybody.
3: Do I have to make a decision now?
0: You made your decision when you came. We're the ones who make a decision now. What decision? Whether we take you on. Who gave you our number?
3: I promise not to say.
0: I have to know. Why? We're not a cowboy outfit, Mrs. Smithson. We check and double-check. That's how we stay in business. Attention to detail. Things can't go forward unless you say.
3: Well, Mrs. Smithson? His name is Jackson. Eddie Jackson. Address? He has a flat over a bar he runs just off Leadenhall Street.
0: Thank you. Well, I'll be in touch. When? Soon, if we're going ahead. And if you're not? We'll let Mr Jackson know. I'm not
3: always at the number you rang before. Oh, don't
0: worry. If we want you, we'll find you.
3: This had better be important.
6: I've had to cancel an appointment. It's important. Well? I've had a visit. From whom? You bloody well know whom... No names you said, you promised. Who was it? They didn't introduce themselves. You better meet, haven't you?
3: Mm, yesterday. Was one tall with short, cropped, light hair, around 30? Well spoken.
6: No, one was an animal as wide as that bleeding dawn. the other one was bald and nasty. What did they want? Information, everything, the story so far. About you? Both of us. What did you tell them? I told them a the bloody lot, didn't I? Did you say I was a journalist? I told them the lot. They were the kind of people you tell things to, spontaneously. Oh, I might have said writer, not journalist. Why the hell did you give my name? Even if I hadn't,
3: things couldn't have gone any further. Any
6: further? Look, you go ahead and write that story and they'll be back to me. They're not the sort of people you mess about. Oh,
3: don't worry. I'm not messing them about. What?
6: Forget it. And what does further mean?
3: I thought you didn't want to know.
6: I do know, don't I? I don't want any part of it.
3: Look, your part is done, Eddie, until payday. i make it a nice, big payday. Right. A lot of money. Enough to buy the lease easily. And all you have to do is sit and wait. The chance will never come again. If I don't take it now, I'm stuck for life. Max won't go. And
6: I'm not spending my life watching him watching sunsets. You're talking about murder. One day, I'm
1: finding that it's mine. It's worth a
3: quarter of a million, Eddie. And there's a great deal more besides. I'm talking about freedom
6: and money, Eddie. Look, the law will be on to me. What does it look like? Your old man vanishes, we're sleeping together, and I've got a record. Great. How
3: could they find out? Nobody knows. We can arrange for you to have an alibi when it happens. Don't worry.
6: Mm. Eddie Jackson, yeah? You have a Mrs. Smithson there? What? Uh, yes, yes. It's for you. Me,
3: Hello. Mrs Smith? Yes, speaking. I'm back to fix a meeting. Yes. Next Wednesday, you shall play. Can you make it? What time? Is that, is that
1: okay? Yes. Do I need... Well, what were they want?
3: Nearly opening time, Eddie. Go and water the drinks. I let myself out. 20,000? You said 10.
0: I said 10,000 minimum a big enough name for the police to make a bit more effort. It's going to need a lot of care. If we have moved out of your price range, Mrs. Smithson, say so.
3: Would you want cash?
0: Not unless you can get it without bothering the bank.
3: Not as much as that. Jewelry? Yes.
0: Not from a bank vault. Personal stuff. Well, quite a lot. Around the house?
4: I often wear it. Wear it on
0: Thursday. I shouldn't be at the studio's more than a couple of
4: hours. It doesn't take long, usually. We're all old hands. May I come? Yes, of course. Have you uh, fixed anywhere to stay yet? I haven't
3: really had time. I only got the go-ahead this morning. Max and I used to stay at the Creon.
2: Ah, ah. Rather grand for my taste.
3: Oh, mine too. In those days, we did everything in style. Ah. I got to know the Creon very well. The last time we were there, Max disappeared.
2: Uh. Disappeared.
3: Yes, for almost a week. And I was left waiting and wondering. Max was on his unpredictable kick then.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. A rather prolonged kick, as it turned out. He repeated the act in various other capitals and got to know all the best hotels.
2: It must have been very difficult for you.
3: I could take it in my stride then. I couldn't now.
2: Mm. Having met Max only recently, I find it impossible to see him as a... Globe-trotting
1: hellraiser.
3: Yes. Well, now, of course, he swung to the other extreme. Mm-hmm. The only known hermit in SW3. That's how Max sees the reach as the
1: refuge. I don't... Understandably.
3: Well, my work depends a great deal on meeting people, Robert. Mm. Interesting people. Yeah. I need conversation, contact. Max doesn't. We used to have a huge circle of friends and now they've dwindled into a handful of acquaintances. Really seeing that, it makes life very difficult. Mm. I owe hospitality to half London.
2: I can appreciate how you feel. I think my friends must often feel more dined against than dining. (laughs) If the reach were mine, lovely thought, I would unashamedly want to show it off. And I think I'd want to share it with my friends.
3: Exactly. I sometimes feel as if I'm coming home to a museum. Oh, I'm sorry, Robert. It sounds as if I'm saying my husband doesn't understand me. The truth is, Max understands me very well. But it makes no difference. And as the years go by, I understand him less and less.
2: He may understand you, Elaine, which I doubt... I certainly doesn't appreciate you. Now, that's a job I wouldn't mind. What? River police. Just chugging up and down the Thames all day.
5: Uh, I'm sure there's more to it than that. For a much-travelled, hard-bitten writer, you take a very romantic view of things, don't you?
2: I suppose I do. I still view London with a provincial awe.
5: I've noticed.
2: Now, Londoners know nothing about London.
5: That's very sweeping.
2: Do you know that James didn't know Hazlitt once lived in Frith Street, just round the corner from his office, till I told him? Hadn't even heard of Hazlitt. Wanted to know who his agent was.
5: <laughs> Max, I never know when to believe you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that, I admit, was a fabrication. they the last bit, anyway. I'm always ready to sacrifice truth for the sake of a good line.
5: Mm. I've noticed that, too.
2: Now, what's that? What? The pillar with a golden ball on top. Uh, There. The monument. Ah. You've been swatting.
5: (laughs) Ah, no. (laughs) Are we getting off at the tower or doing the round trip
2: back to Charing Cross Well, no, this one doesn't go back. Carries on down to Greenwich. I usually stay on, have a prowl around Greenwich and then walk back. Walk? That's only seven miles or so.
5: I've got to get back to the office for two. Well, we'll
2: get off at the tower, have a sedate little pub crawl along the river
5: sparkling little places like your local?
2: Unfortunately, no.
5: Good. Hmm.
2: Very
3: nice.
0: How much is it insured for?
3: 12,000.
0: You're sure nobody will notice it's missing? Certain. I thought you said you wore it.
3: I don't wear the same necklace every day.
0: Well, this will do as a down payment. Half now, half afterwards. Normal business practice, Mrs. Smithson. Now, dates. You'll be away when?
3: From next Monday, the 17th, until the Thursday.
0: What time will you be back in the house on Thursday?
3: Oh, about six in the evening. Hmm.
0: It'll look better if you're not alone when you first notice he's missing. Can you fix that?
3: My PA could pick me up in her car at Heathrow and bring me back to the Reach.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yes, that's just right. Now, you arrive home, he's not there... You comment on it. Not particularly concerned, but surprised to your PA. What's PA? Personal assistant. So, you comment. You ring round a few people while she's there, asking after him,
3: okay? Yes.
0: Later in the evening, you ring more people. His family, perhaps.
3: His parents are dead. He has a sister in Scotland.
0: You ring her. Then pubs, clubs, anywhere. You're getting more concerned.
3: When do I ring the police?
0: The next morning. You're sorry to trouble them, etc., etc., but you're getting worried. You tell them you've rung everybody you can think of. You expected him to be at home, waiting for you. He said he would be. As soon as the police realise who you are, they'll send somebody round. Somebody senior, probably. He'll start with the obvious stuff. Who have you contacted? Could he have taken off for a few days' holiday without telling anyone? What does he normally do with his time? After that, it will start to get more personal.
5: How?
0: He'll ask how things are between you. Could he have cleared off with a girl? Anything like that. You say it's very unlikely. They'll check amongst your friends. When they come up with nothing, they'll go deeper. They'll ask about you. And they'll find you were in Paris when he was last seen.
3: How deep will they go?
0: As deep as they can. I hope you've been careful, Mrs. Smithson.
3: I've been very careful.
0: The real pressure will start when they release it to the press. They'll probably suggest putting out an appeal on television. You just sit tight and say as little as possible, all right? Yes. Now, what about staff at the house?
3: We have a housekeeper. Does she live in? No, no, she lives locally. She comes in every day, usually eight in the morning till about one, and in the evening when we need her. Oh, and her husband comes in to do the garden on Fridays. Nobody else? No. We use an agency if we need extra staff. I could give her a few days off.
0: No, 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 no. It would look odd. Let her come in as usual. Unless you could get him to give her time off.
3: Max doesn't like her coming in at all. Oh, good.
0: Just before you leave, suggest that he tells her there's no need to come in. and That would look better. And make things easier.
3: Do Do you know... When it will happen?
0: Not my department, Mrs. Smithson. Now, one final thing. Yes? When you're on that plane, coming home, you tell yourself that he'll be there at the house waiting for you. He'll be there waiting. Believe it. Expect to see him there, so that when he isn't, it comes as a real shock.
3: What if he is there?
0: He won't be, Mrs. Smithson.
3: You could take the necklace and do nothing.
0: Yes. And you could have somebody taping us and clicking away with the old telephoto. Cold feet, Mrs. Smithson. If you want to drop it, say. I'm afraid I should have to keep the necklace, but that's business. We've put in a lot of time on this one. Well? Yes or no? Yes, We have a 100% success rate to protect, Mrs. Smithson. We're taking a risk, too. We're trusting you. Why? Because we know you want it to happen. You need us. Mutual need.
2: Mutual trust.
3: Right. i better be moving.
2: What time's your plane?
3: 10.37.
2: You've got bags of time.
3: I'm looking at the office first. When will you be back? Thursday. Round six.
2: Well, shall I ask Mrs. Armitage to come in and get you something?
3: Well, you'll be here, won't you?
2: You want me to get you a meal? <laughs>
3: no. No, we'll eat out later, shall we?
2: Yeah, if you like.
3: Oh, you might tell Mrs. Armitage that she can take a few days off while I'm away. She mentioned something about wanting to go and see her daughter. You may forestall her asking for time off when we need her. All right. Well, I'll have to go. See you Thursday. Bye.
1: Cheerio.
2: Have a nice time.
1: Let us stroll down Lover's Lane Once more to sing love's old refrain Soon we must say Auf Wiedersehen Auf Wiedersehen, my dear Here in your arms I can't remain So let me kiss you once again Soon we must say all Wiedersehen, auf Wiedersehen, my dear. Come in. Uh, Sorry. I'll
3: try later. It isn't important. I'm almost ready. Sit down for a moment.
2: No hurry. The taxi isn't due until 8. Is it far? Hmm? Uh, No. Ten minutes, quarter of an hour. Paris driving. <laughs> Their apartments just off Boulevard Voltaire. I'm afraid my French is rather limited. Oh, they're all speak English. Oh, he prides himself on his grasp of the idiom. The trouble is he's always ever so slightly out of date. <laughs> but for God's sake, don't say so. <laughs> I'll compliment him. Oh. Right. Already. You look stunning. I rather wish we were dining hors d'oeuvre here at the hotel.
3: Tomorrow. I don't
1: yet. Go on, tell us. Maybe will come to
2: you as you go along.
3: It's about a girl who had just come to Paris from her home in Oslo. At the house of some friends. She met a man about whom she had heard her whole life. A very great and
2: courageous Oh, man. go away.
3: He opened up for her a whole beautiful world full of knowledge and thoughts and ideas. Everything she knew or ever became was because of him. And she at him. Oh, damn
2: it. You she's supposed to love. very pretty. I heard a story once. As a matter of fact, i heard a lot of stories in my time. They went along with the
1: sound of a tinny piano playing in the parlor down
5: Any luck? No.
3: James hasn't seen him since Tuesday. I rang Mrs Armitage, too. I thought Max might have mentioned something to her. She hasn't been in since Tuesday. He told her she could have the week off. Well, perhaps he's gone away for a few days. Mm. Coffee. Oh, lovely. No, I don't think so. You'll have left a note or something. I'm sure he said something about going out for a meal when I got back.
5: Well, he must have been here this morning. Why do you say that? There was no milk on the doorstep. And the morning paper's here. Oh, yes, of course. I suppose he could have gone to a football match. Oh, there isn't one. I looked in the paper. He may have gone out for a drink. Now, too early. Look, Liz, you're not in a hurry, are you? No, no. Good.
3: Would you like to stay for a meal? You can tell me what's been happening. Oh, and I'd like you to type out what I've done on Paris. There's a very nice background piece on the bombings I want to shove under Stephen's nose first thing in
5: the morning. You're not going out tonight, are you? No, no. I didn't plan anything in case your plane was late. It's fine. I think I'll go and make a few more phone calls. I'll have a
3: look in the freezer and pop something in the oven, will you?
1: Right. You came at last. Love had its day. That day is past. You've gone away. This aching heart of mine is in. Lover, come back to me.
5: Teachers, Liz Brown. It's
3: Elaine, Liz. I shan't be in today, or this morning at least.
5: Is something wrong?
3: Max hasn't turned up yet. No word
5: at all. What are you going to do?
3: I don't know. James thinks I should contact the police. He thinks I should have rung them last night.
5: Well, perhaps it would be best.
3: Well, of course, as soon as I put the phone down, Max will walk in and make me look a complete
5: idiot. Oh, it's better to look silly than take risks. Yes.
3: Oh, don't say anything to anybody at the office,
5: will you? No, of course not. Tell Stephen I'm ill or something. Right. I hope... <laughs> Will you let me know if... well you know when Max turns up, please?
4: And you're sure you've contacted anybody who might know where your husband is, Mrs Quixel?
3: I've rung everybody I can think of.
4: Hmm. Have you checked to see whether he's taken anything? Clothes, hold-all, toothbrush, shaving things? Yes,
3: nothing's missing.
4: How is your husband's health, Mrs Quixel? He's never ill. Any nervous problems? No,
3: none at all. Hmm.
4: You'd be surprised how many people disappear, Mrs Quixel. The vast majority reappear after a few days with very mundane explanations. You are quite right to contact us, of course. One can't be too careful. But I don't want you to get things out of proportion. Now, I hope you'll forgive me if I'm very blunt. I'd prefer it. It can save a lot of time. Yes. When I said mundane explanations, I meant a family row. Now, I don't want to delve into your private life, Mrs Quixle.
3: Max and I have our ups and downs, like everybody else, Inspector. But our marriage is more stable now than it's ever been. I don't think he's walked out on me or gone off for a dirty midweek break with some girl.
4: Would you know if he had?
3: Oh, I think so. I live in a world that thrives on gossip, Inspector. Somebody would have told me.
4: You said more stable now. Does that imply that there was a time when your marriage was less stable than it is now?
3: There was a time when Max used to vanish with monotonous regularity. Like this? Oh, no, no, not like this. He'd literally walk out after a row or something. or sometimes he'd take off when he hit a bad patch in his writing. But he always came back after a few days. And tracing him was just a matter of making a few phone calls. Things are very different now. Max loves this house. He hates to be away from it, even for a day. That's why I'm worried, Inspector.
4: Isn't it possible that he's returned to his old ways?
3: It's possible. I don't think it's probable. Hmm.
4: I'd like to have a look at your husband's study, if I may, Mrs Quixel. Yes, of course. There is one possibility that I haven't touched on, Mrs Quixel, a one that doesn't normally apply in most situations like this. Yes? Your husband's name, if not his face, is very well known. And it's probably assumed by the general public that he's a rich man. Whenever his books and the films from them are mentioned, huge amounts are quoted. Yes? We have to consider the possibility that your husband has been kidnapped. I know... It's a very remote possibility, but we can't rule it out. For that reason, we shan't be releasing anything to the press or the media about your husband's disappearance, in case an approach is made. I see. Do you know if he's ever had any threatening letters?
3: Oh, I don't think so.
4: Hmm. If an approach is made, it will almost certainly be by phone.
3: Does that mean my phone will be tapped? No, no, no,
4: no. Uh, Someone will be here soon to fix a recording device to your phone and to show you how to work it. If you are contacted, you simply record the conversation and let us know immediately. In this country, thank God, kidnapping is very rare, but we can't take chances.
1: Dancing in the dark till the tune ends, We're dancing in the dark and it soon ends, we're waltzing in the wonder of why we're here. Time hurries by, we're here,
2: then we're gone.
3: And all I do is pick up the receiver, and if it's necessary, record the conversation by pressing that.
2: Oh, well, thank God you haven't had to use it.
3: I jump a mile every time the phone rings.
2: Have the police said how long it'll be before they rule out kidnapping?
3: The inspector said another two days.
4: Hmm. Have they come up with anything at all?
3: Max was seen in the pub on the corner at lunchtime on Thursday. Huh. He left about two, and that's it. They've checked all the hospitals, of course. All our friends and acquaintances have been seen on the assumption that they know something I don't. The rumours must be flying thick and fast by now. I suppose you know that.
2: There is a general consensus that Max has returned to his old ways.
3: Well, That's obviously what the police think thought i think they're taking it more seriously now oh god i feel so helpless i'm not very good at sitting around and waiting
2: i wish i could help
3: you've helped by being here
4: and this is the statement we intend to put out
3: mm.
4: we shall use this photograph
3: well, one or two people have obviously got a wind of it i've had several phone calls
4: what did you say I told them to mind their own business. Since we've had inquiries, we can't hold it back much longer. We shall release it tomorrow morning.
3: Double two four nine.
0: Good afternoon.
3: Who's that? Forgotten me already. What do you want?
0: About the balance. We'd like it tonight. Well, I-, I can't leave the house. I'll call and collect.
3: No. Tonight,
0: but... around eight. No, listen.
3: Please. It's perfectly
0: safe. Don't worry. Please.
2: Sorry, I forgot my key. By the way, you should always keep the chain on, you know, till you see who it is. you all right? How are you feeling?
3: Still rather shaky. How long was I out?
2: Oh, about five minutes. I thought it best to leave you until you came round. Shall I call Dr Blair? No,
3: no, I'll be all
1: right. Would you like a drink?
3: Mm, Please. Brandy? Anything. I've reported you missing. The police are putting out a press report tomorrow. I'd better call them, Say you're back.
2: Oh, they know. I've um, just been speaking to an Inspector Cook on the phone. He started making noises about wasting police time, but I think I managed to placate him. The old absent-minded writer with his head in the clouds bit. Uh, oh, he said to say, I told you so, or words to that effect. Oh, one of us will probably have to open a fate or something for him. I mean, that's not too bad, is it, really, considering how we've messed him about? I've not messed him about. I had no idea where you were. Well, I suppose, strictly speaking, that's true. Oh, he's, uh, he's sending somebody round tomorrow to remove that contraption from the telephone. Is that where the inspector rang? Oh, he didn't ring here. I rang him. Where the hell have you been, Max? Wales. Bilth Wales. Why? Well, we decided it would be best if I got out of the way for a few days. We? Myself, Eddie, and a friend of his called Peter. Eddie who? Oh, how many Eddies do you know? Hmm? No, until fairly recently, he used to visit this Eddie's flat every Thursday afternoon. Eddie Jackson.
3: You know about Eddie? Yes. How does he come into your vanishing act?
2: Well, he, he started the whole thing. Would you like another drink? No. Mm. Well, Eddie came here to see me about a month ago, and he told me about your Thursday afternoon arrangement. And then he told me about a little post-coital chat you had recently. He reasoned quite rightly that I didn't give a damn about your visits, but I might well be interested in the chat. Which I was. What did he say? He told me about the firm. The what? The firm. That incredibly efficient organisation that gets rid of people to order. He told me how he mentioned the firm to you and how you reacted. How you picked it up with an alacrity that made him uneasy, very uneasy. You wanted him to find a contact. He tried to put you off, but you wouldn't let go. You pestered him. And that made him more and more uneasy. So he came to see me. Didn't he tell you I was after a story? Oh, yes, yes. He told me that. But he was convinced that you had a more domestic interest. You wanted to use the firm to get me disposed of. Oh, and you believed him, naturally. No. No, it seemed quite feasible that you wanted to lift a good story from under the noses of your crime boys. So why didn't you tell Eddie to go to hell? Because I was intrigued. I mean, not particularly by the story, but by Eddie. Now, here's a man I barely know. He appears out of the blue and tells me A, he's been sleeping with my wife and B, he thinks she wants to kill me. Now, why should he come and tell me that? He knew he was on the way out. Spite? Mm, yes, yes, Possibly. But not because you were giving him the boot. He'd had enough of you anyway, in every sense. What he didn't like was being replaced by an effete TV pundit. It hurt his pride as a super stud. It's still a reason for lying. Gave him a reason for coming to see me. But did he want to do you a bad turn or me a good one? Eddie owes you nothing. He doesn't see it like that. No, he, he's had a soft spot for me ever since I gave him some extra dialogue in a far cry. I gave him his big start. I also suspected that he, he might be after work I could put his way in the future, and he probably thought that if I stepped in and asked you what you were up to, he might avoid having to admit that the firm was nothing more than a hoary old East End myth. So a very, very mixed motive. Exactly. But what intrigued me most of all was that he was clearly frightened. He was frightened, you'd realise. He was just out to cause trouble. Oh, no. No, no, he was frightened of you. Something he'd seen in you. He was certain you'd have me disposed of without turning a hair. He said that you wanted it so badly, you'd find a way sooner or later, even after you knew the firm didn't exist.
3: Do you really think Eddie came out of concern for you?
2: You do know he's an ex-con. Oh, yes, I know that. No, I told him he'd got it all wrong but I was still interested enough to ask him to keep me informed, which he did a week or so later. He said you were still pressing to be put into contact with the firm.
3: I was very keen on the story. There was a good tie-up with the Harry Grant piece.
2: Oh, yes, yes. But I began to wonder and to speculate on what would happen if the firm did exist and you were put in touch. So I decided to bring it into existence with the help of a very reluctant Eddie and an active friend of his called Peter, who was resting... Peter, he, he was very keen. He saw it, as I did, as an elaborate hoax. Plus, of course, he was deeply motivated by the fact that the longer it went on, the more he got paid. Peter was Vincent. So, we gave you the bait, a telephone number. You took it. And you fell for everything after that. I began to see that Eddie might be right. You know, it was a Very odd experience, hearing you negotiate to have me killed. Hearing? Peter taped every conversation you had. You should really have checked on that, you know, especially as he made such a fuss about you taping him. It really did make uncanny listening. I I couldn't believe that you hated me as much as that. Or was it that you wanted the house so badly? Both, I suppose.
3: I tried to stop it, Max. I rang from Paris, every number I'd been given. I tried to get through to Eddie to see if he could do something. Warn you, perhaps. Yes,
2: yes, Eddie tells me that his phone never stopped ringing. Why the
3: hell didn't he answer? I
2: told him not to. I decided that once you handed over the necklace, I was going to take you the whole way. So, here we are.
3: Max, I wanted to stop it. I would have given anything... This last week has, has been a nightmare. Oh, yes,
2: yes, yes. Oh, I... I really can understand that. I stayed at the hotel in Bilth Wells, where we used to go when we were first married. I, I think it was the same room. A very odd experience. Very odd. Sitting there, waiting. Remembering, up to then I'd regarded the whole thing with a kind of detachment. I thought, or perhaps I just wanted to think that you, you hadn't swallowed it at all. That you were just playing us along, just waiting to pounce, give me hell. I expected a phone call from Eddie to say just that, but he never rang, and I felt sickened. In some ways, it was like the early stages of a love affair. There I was, watching the rain and wondering, where is she now? What is she doing? What is she thinking? Tell me, did you give any thought at all to the practical side of things, how I was to be disposed of? I thought I was so deeply involved that I couldn't back out. I was terrified. Elaine, I've heard the conversations. It was hardly an impulsive action, was it? (laughs) the phone calls and the conversations went on for over a week. It it seemed incredible that you were so easily taken in. But, of course, then you wanted to believe it, didn't you? I thought Peter, that's Vincent, had given the game away right at the end when he gave you the chance to back out. That was unscripted, so to speak. I mean, by by that time, Peter was almost on your side. We had long discussions on the ethics of it all. He argued that I was deliberately working you into a homicidal rage and then supplying you with a means to vent it. He thought that your reaction wasn't how you would have behaved under normal circumstances.
3: Don't you think that's true? You went out of your way to be even more impossible than usual. You even began that wretched novel.
2: I, I couldn't resist giving you a little extra push just out of curiosity. I mean, I do admit that Peter had a point. But... If the situation had been reversed. I don't think I would have gone so far as arranging for you to be added to the foundations of a flyover. Or whatever. No? No. All right.
3: You've played your little game. Very clever. So what?
2: So, tomorrow you leave this house for good. Do I? You go tonight if you like. I'm not going anywhere, well, then, Max. Well, tomorrow, I shall go along to Fleet Street and sell the whole story as a big, fat exclusive. Just in time for one of the Sundays this weekend. Yours, probably. <laughs> Nobody would take they'll it. They'll all take it. Oh, yes, they'll they will all take it. I might even go to the TV people. There are tapes and photographs. There's even a bit of film. I mean, how could they resist it? Sex and intrigue amongst the rich and the famous... You and Eddie, you and poor old Robert, you and the Brigade of Guards, for all I know. And, of course, the police might find something to charge you with. Me too, I suppose. But I don't have a spotless reputation to maintain or a career to defend. You bastard. Yes. A bastard and a murderous bitch. That's how the great British public will see us. Overnight, worldwide fame, or rather infamy. Very nasty mess. But I shall still come out of it with grounds for a divorce. Hmm? On the other hand, you can pack your bags and quietly leave. and The lawyers will sort out the rest. I mean, I won't be, I won't be unreasonable. Well, I shall keep the house, of course.
3: Max? Hmm? When I opened the door and saw you standing there, do you know what I felt most of all? Cheated? Relief. Sheer relief. I don't suppose you can believe that, can you?
2: Oh, yes, yes, I think I can. But can you believe that when I saw you, I wanted to wring your neck? If you hadn't passed out, I might have done just that. Odd, isn't it? I mean, you, you lose your murderous inclinations and I find mine... When you ring around to say that I'm back, I should pile on the indignation if I were you. The last straw and all that, and then leaving me, will look perfectly natural. I mean, you you will come out of it very, very well. He always was a selfish bastard, they'll say.
1: Gone is the romance and broken of all. We used to be sweethearts, but what are we now? Happy-go-lucky you and broken-hearted me man in the moon is as sad as can be He looks down from heaven and what does he see Happy-go-lucky you And broken-hearted me Did you ever finish that novel? Which one? The one you told
5: me about the last time we were here. About the woman who didn't like the whale room.
2: Oh, no, no. No, I never finished that one.
5: Pity. I was looking forward to reading it. I ought to be getting back.
2: Elaine keeping you busy?
5: No, not Elaine. I never see her these days. She's rarely in the office. Did you know she's going freelance? No, no. Are you in line to take her place? No. I don't fancy joining that particular scramble. (laughs) I wouldn't stand a chance, anyway. I seem to have been relegated to the odds and ends department. (laughs) If we did jumble sales and WI meetings, I'd be reporting those... My tray is piled high with trivia.
2: Then why go back? It'll still be there in the morning,
5: and a girl has to eat.
2: I've, I've finished the first draft of Calverley. Come back to the Reach. Give me a hand with that.
5: Come back? On what basis?
2: Oh, any basis you like. Come as my... Uh, what, what, what was it Elaine called you? P.A. Personal Assistant. Personal Assistant, then. I have a hell of a lot on. out. I'm just starting that novel about the 30s crooner. That needs bags of research. And there's correspondence, phone calls, somebody to make the coffee. I'd prefer you to live
1: in.
5: Oh, that sort of basis. I thought you'd never ask. What
1: more can I ask Than your arms around me What more do I need Now your lips have found me Even though we may realise We're living in a fool's paradise
2: How many words? About
1: 200,000.
2: I shall find a publisher, of course. There'll be next to nothing in it. Calvary didn't have a riotous sex life or anything like that, did he? No. Mm. You see, he isn't even a name to most people. Well, that's the whole point, James. will uh, get good coverage in the Sunday Heavies, of course. And probably savaged. Oh, your confidence is touching. Mm. Oh, and I have done a treatment of the best in this kind. Uh, I thought you weren't interested. Well, as you rightly pointed out, easy money. Uh. Back to the land of the living, are we? Well, I want to get a few quid together, then start a life of Coventry Patmore. Who? Precisely. Oh, J.W. will be delighted with this. He's due over next week. Well, just make sure he's delighted enough to pay up promptly. <laughs> After a little of the ready to pay off Elaine, are we? Elaine has had all she's getting. Has she? Has she indeed? What about a drink? Mm. Well, well, well. Splitting up has obviously had a beneficial effect on your respective creative edges. Respective? Mm. Elaine has brought forth her long promised novel. Oh. She hasn't brought it to me, not surprisingly. But as I hear on the grapevine it's a very hot property indeed. James, mm? uh, have you any idea what it's about?
1: Mm,
2: crime. Something about a London-based branch of Murder Incorporated. Something like that. Some small-time villain sets up a bogus branch. Bags of sex and violence, I understand. Completely incredible plot, but it's going straight into paperback. A very big hype is going to be mounted. A million sold before publication, that sort of thing. The cover alone will sell it, I hear. <laughs> what's funny? <laughs> Max, what's funny? Max. <laughs> Oh, now look, if she's lifted one of your plots, we'll get onto it straight away. <laughs> Come on, Max, what is it? Is that what she's done? Is that it, Max?
1: <laughs>